Athletic. Red, Sony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. It's 200 up for Mohamed Salah as the records continue to tumble. We'll get into the numbers, his legacy, and ask what comes next. Here to discuss the Egyptian king and his goal-scoring feats are Simon Hughes, Kiefer O'Neill, and Andy Jones was supposed to be here, but he hasn't shown up yet. Well, he'll be in trouble if he arrives. As ever, let's start with those three words. And Simon, you haven't thought of them at all, have you? Not once. No, never. I haven't. As soon as you started talking, then I was thinking, crap. But given the theme of the things we're meant to be talking about, I'll just say Salah is brilliant. Oh, and Kiva, no doubt you've done your homework. What's your Absolutely. I've been thinking about this all night, last night and this morning. I've been, you know, racking my head thinking, what am I going to say? You should get out uh, more often. You should get out more often. <laughs> yeah, can't afford it in London. So, I mean, I've got to go with the the phrase, and that is the Egyptian king. I was going to say one of the greats, but too many words, isn't it? You know, uh, proper top class, I'm going to say. And let's see what they're saying over on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Robert Schema, Mo One Better. Oh, bit of a pun there, Robert, bit of a pun. Benny Clark, the undisputed king. Don't know about that, Benny. I know someone who'd have words with you, and you don't want words with him. Alan Corrigan, the numbers don't lie. Hang on, that's another four-worder. Oh, dear me. I mean, surely it allows for Mo Salah. If you're going to have four words this week, I mean, kind of makes sense. To be honest, Salah's one of those break-the-rules players, isn't he? So, all right. Break the records as well. Exactly. And Jeff Way, only one Mo. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Another week, more records. Two goals against Brentford took them to 200 in English football. That's remarkable, there, isn't it, say? Si? It is, yeah. And I know it's been said about a million times, but. He's not a centre forward, <laughs> you know. I mean, I suppose you could say, well, Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't, you know, an outright centre forward. Maybe it's a reflection of how the games changed. Certainly, a reflection of how Liverpool play. Do you know who I'd say the analogy is more with Thierry Henry? Because every time yeah. I looked at him, I was like, imagine what it'd be like if he was a natural goal scorer. That's the thing. I mean, I suppose they get the goals from a, a similar sort of area, the pitch, and that you know, it's the channel rather than dead centre of goal. By and large, be interested to see actually from where where Salah's finishes have mainly been. I actually know. Go on then. Go on then. Yeah. So he actually, well, his shots. He started. He was sort of the between the six yard box and the penalty spot. That was his area, like the Salah zone. But actually, the evolution of him now is he's taking shots on more centrally than ever before, and he's taking less shots, and the, those shots are higher in quality, which I think speaks for. Just like his like development of his own mental fortitude of anything else. Like it just feels like he knows I can just score where from wherever I want. But it feels like he's less wasteful than ever before because he's having less shots, but still continuing on that ridiculous sort of goal scoring run, which never seems to end. So he's become more economical as he's as he's grown older. 
and as you say, less wasteful. I mean, it, it is inc- the, the, the comparison with Henri, I think, is is a fair one because obviously after the game on Sunday, obviously there was all sorts of sorts of records mentioned. So it's I think it's for the fifteenth consecutive Anfield game he's either scored or assisted which is pretty pretty impressive and then that feat is only better by Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry so it shows you sort of what company he's keeping you know when he's the first Liverpool player to score in his first six home games of a season so he's, he's obviously started the season really really well and I think what Kiva said there sort of feeds into the conversation around him in the it sometimes seems like he, he does less now, but when he does do it, it's it's very effective. Mm. Well, you know, we've talked about this before, and I love it when we strikers don't seem to do anything but score goals. You know, I think it's a, a, a great thing. But again, his game's developed, hasn't it, Kiva? He does so many more things than when he arrived. Yeah, definitely. If you watch him this season, it's like every season you can sort of map out, like, you know, he just doesn't do the same thing and... This season, we're watching him. But I think he's always been good at creating for other players. But I think we're seeing that part of his game more so now. And it's getting more credit than it used to. Um, because he is such a creative force as well. I think watching him, and like I've been watching a few clips this week on players assisting him and looking into that. And just watching him and how he goes about. like So, for example, like when Alisson's assisted him the three times, like their connection and relationship is just like, it feels like Salah has that connection and relationship built up with every player on the pitch. It's like he wants to truly know what they're feeling, thinking, how they pass the ball, how they play. Remember Trent Alexander-Arnold a couple of years ago telling me that they had like secret codes that he didn't sort of want to go into, like whether he lift the hand at a certain moment or whatever. I could never like see anything when I've been watching me trying to crack the code. Um, <laughs> like it'll help me in five-a-side or something. I don't think it will. <laughs> but yeah, so it feels like he has all those connections on the pitch, like the Allison assist when you watch them back. It's a Man City one. Every other player is looking towards Liverpool's goal as the, uh, as the ball it's like a set piece comes in, even Man City players, everyone's looking that way. The only player on the pitch that isn't is Mo Salah because he's already jogging up the other way and Alisson's onto him and obviously does his classic fall to the ground assist kick and off Salah goes. Like if you've got that relationship with a goalkeeper, but he has it with Alexander-Arnold, he has it with Andy Robertson, he has it with Van Dijk right through the pitch. Salah's got and forged the connection with every player because... What does he want? He wants goals and he wants Liverpool to win. Yeah, and you know, just one goal away from 150 Premier League goals. Now, what a, an apt time it would be to score that against Manchester City. So, I mean, talking about the partnerships, you know, and the, and the connections with players, the way him and Darwin begin to link up, it's just, it's just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's noticeable. I think the, la- the last month or so, the two of them seem to be getting on the same wavelength. Which, you know, it's... it's I don't think you can underplay how maybe difficult it's been for Salah as well, given you know the two players that he formed such an effective partnership on the pitch with, in Firmino and, and Mane, have obviously gone over the last two summers, and he's he's the last one standing. He doesn't need really. those bums. <laughs> well, it, you know that there's no denying that the three of them were absolutely brilliant together. I mean, it, obviously read uh, Firmino's autobiography last week, and I know Keeve has this week. You know, it's quite quite. Interesting in parts because he, for me, he knows quite honest about the fact that 
Salah and Mane didn't really get on <laughs> that much, both on and off the pitch. But um, well, he claims it never really sort of manifested into the dressing room. But I mean, you know, they're not the first forward partnership in football who they might not get on on, on the pitch, but sort of the they sort of off the pitch, but they, they sort of drive each other on it, and occasionally, you know, they, they might clash on it as they did. But I think the three of them were, were so you know the one of the, the great three you know one of the top forward lines of the last sort of 15 20 years really and he's had to come to terms with those two other players not being there so he's had to probably change his game as he's got a little bit older as well and i think it's been really encouraging particularly from from Nunes because um i think his build up play and his awareness of players around him hasn't been really a feature of his game that's a generous way of putting it the first sort of 18 yeah, months yeah. at liverpool but but he, he he you could tell that from the first goal on um, on Sunday, he knew exactly where Salah was going to be, and I mean Salah's finish was was what you'd expect from him now. But you know, I think people might not realise just how difficult that sort of finish is when you put it right in the bottom corner and you're bearing down on goal. It's it's not quite as easy as people might think. But um, that is a really really promising thing for me. I think because. Ultimately, that's what you want again. That, that, that sort of Liverpool under Klopp have been at the best when each player's known each other's role and where they're going to be. It's taken a bit of time to get back into that, you know, that, that fluidity. But I think you can see it, it's coming back. I mean, I think the star of the Liverpool team in the Klopp era has been the team itself in, in a lot of ways. In, in the past, Liverpool supporters have always looked at individuals to get them out of a hole. Whereas it's often the team that does it, but Salah within that team can do it. And I think just because the team has been so good, maybe we've, we don't reflect upon Salah's achievements quite as much as maybe we should. He's a machine, isn't he? The other thing we haven't spoken about is his strength. Like he's just mm. very, very physical. He's never injured. Never injured. Never injured. The way he's able to get the ball after losing it. I think I did a piece on that last season is one of his best like it's not a hidden quality because he does it all the time but you know when he like will try and dribble past someone and then it'll just sort of deflect or a shot and then he'll just get the ball back because he's got that much speed to get to where the ball's going to be but also the knowledge of where that deflection has taken it and you mentioned that side it sort of made me think of like Liverpool's Steven Gerrard era and having this era now is like Salah's almost underrated in it because this team have been a collective force of mm. just so many good players. When you're watching Liverpool, even in Champions League finals that they're losing, you're not necessarily looking at Mo Salah in Paris and thinking, right, you're the player that's got to change this game because you're looking at the team. And I think that's yeah. maybe not helped him in that way, even though he is the superstar of the team. He's never maybe had that sort of like feeling around him. Obviously, he's got it, but there's so many stars on the pitch. You Liverpool fans watch and demand from all of them. It's not like you're waiting for Salah to do something because he just does it. So it's a weird one, that, isn't it? Because it's late in a game and Liverpool are losing. Are you looking and thinking, oh, Salah's got to do something now? I think you're looking at the team thing and they've got to do something, which I think shows how far Liverpool have come. But then often it is Salah that is that player. Well, what I would say is that, you know, we we might be thinking like that, but Ancelotti knew exactly what he was doing. That's the perfect perfect example of the way opposition managers, I think, think about Salah. You know what they did? Real Madrid, they flooded uh, right. They were like, you can have the left. Go on, have the left, Diaz, Andy Robertson, do what you like. Salah, Trent, we're going to stop them. And, you know, it was fine margins, but he just about did. And the other thing I'd say is, you know, I said before that, you know, we're talking about Mane, and Firmino 
and you know, jokingly say doesn't need those bums. But it's kind of to me, it vindicates that Liverpool's decision to keep Salah, obviously, that was it seemed to be an easy decision, and let the other two go. Because we'll never know because of the environment they've gone to play in. But I bet good money, neither of them would have thrived like Salah if stripped of the other two. Mm, it's a really good point. I, I you know what I, I, I think a lot of it does come down to his his physique and his body. We mentioned some of the records before. I don't it's it's not easy to break records at Liverpool. I mean, he's get he's getting close, you know, the the, the sort of the, the top goal scorers in Liverpool's history. If he stayed the rest of his career and continues at this rate, he'll he'll be getting right up there. Well only four there's only four players ahead of him in history to have got past two hundred, which is yeah. To think he's gonna do that with his next couple of goals is insane yeah. because you just you couldn't have imagined that when he joined that that would be what was going to happen. But I think two months after he joined, if someone would have said this is going to happen, I think Liverpool fans would have been the first to say, I can see that. Mm. Well, I think I think that none of that happens, really. It comes down to availability, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, and if, if you're not available, the chances of that happening are, are pretty remote. And, you know, he really does take care of himself. I'm not saying that, you know, Firmino and, and Mane didn't, but... It was quite interesting because I, I don't know. I don't know whether we discussed this last week, but um, Rami Abbas did a, a thing, you know, with um, with Harvard, you know, a study of his contracts and how that broke it down. And I got a copy of that. I had a good read of it. I mean, some some interesting parts in it. And Rami was saying that he thinks that Salah can play until he's forty at the highest level. That was the argument that he one of the arguments that he made when he was in the discussions with the club. I mean, if he's right, I mean, I don't know what sort of there was no sort of basis for this argument but I can understand it because he's not relying on his pace anymore to score goals he's he's relying on his his instinct his knowledge of the game and his physicality I'd say you know so that sort of thing doesn't sort of leave a player so much so he's evolved a lot and I just think he's a really smart footballer now who could play for another few years it'll be interesting to see what Liverpool do when his you know his contract comes up for renewal when is it is in 80 is it is 18 months time isn't it yeah you know? I mean I, I, if he carries on like this, you know, it's very difficult to say, see you later, unless this absolute mega offer comes in. But I don't know. I'm sure that'll be another debate that we'll have, you know, a bit closer to the time. Imagine the scenario. A much-loved and inspirational leader has announced his intention to take a career break and you need to find someone just as tactically astute and charismatic, but perhaps without the glasses and the teeth. Well, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They've even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk. W-L-K to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It looks amazing if Andy Jones has showed up. Andy, 
Hello, you naughty boy. <laughs> You're late. Right, right out a hundred times. Mo Salah is great. And see me in the office afterwards. Yeah, sorry about that. A lot of things to do. So apologies, oh, sure. everyone. And so you, you can explain <laughs> later. Anyway, I'll come to you next. What do you think Salah's defining moment as a Liverpool player is? Is the one? Oof, that's a good question. Um, he's, he's had a few. I mean, there's the one against Man City where, you know, he slaloms through three or four players and then finishes and puts them 2-1 up and then they don't win the game. But that felt like a quite a big moment. But I think you're probably looking at the, the Champions League final penalty um, against Tottenham where, given what had happened to him the season before with the injury and, and with Liverpool losing it, um, that felt quite defining. And, and then, obviously, you've got the uh, the Manchester United goal. Mo Salah. Can he finish things off here? Here he can. It is 2-0. Salah gets a goal against United. Where everyone then realised that Liverpool were not just title contenders that season, they were going to win the league, as the crowd uh, chanted afterwards. That's what you can define him by, isn't it? He's, that in big moments, he's generally stood up and been the man for Liverpool. And they, they're a couple who that instantly stand out in terms of, of moments from him. Can I, can I tell you my favourite moment? When I think about it, just in terms of the noise that was generated, was the, the goal against Chelsea. Yeah, so quick it happened that I didn't even see it. What happened? I just seen it hit the net. A worldie and a half from Mohamed Salah. And Liverpool are dreaming. You know, when you look yeah. away at the match talking to someone, and then I was like, oh yeah, so kind of missed his best ever goal. I mean, it was an amazing, it was an amazing strike. He's delivered so many big moments, really, for Liverpool. It's hard to pinpoint one. You know, I, I think, I mean, I agree with Andy. I think if you scored a goal in the Champions League final in the first minute, which basically, you know, it, it did really win Liverpool the game, didn't it? You know, Tottenham just knocked the confidence and stuff and out of Tottenham straight away. You know, it's hard to look past that. But, you know, there was the Man United goal, which, again, for me, I, I just felt that was... I mean, I, I sort of thought Liverpool were going to win the league before that, even being totally honest, but it, it felt like a... A changing of the guard a little bit, that that goal. But there's so many, like there's so many derby goals, so many, you know, big goals against top quality opposition, so many goals in his first season, ones we can't even remember. You know, he scored how many goals in his first season at Liverpool, which was a ridiculous season. And it felt like every goal was the same goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you know, Rome, some of the some of the goals against Roma, you know, that got that got them through in the in the set, you know, in the first leg in Anfield. He stuck one past Allison, didn't he, from about 25 yards? Am I making that up? No, I'm not, am I? Um, you know, in the top corner. Like, that's the thing about him. I mean, you sort of associate him with sort of chasing on to, to, to passes and sort of narrowly finding the corner, but he, he can finish from, from distance. He scored plenty of screamers in his time. I always forgot as well the, uh, the one at the Etihad. Was that the one on the way to Kiev? Where he scores against City oh, in yeah, the yeah. in the second oh, what a goal. Well, that was when he lifted it over the goalie. When he lifted it over Edison, yeah, what a goal! And then he just stands in stands in front of the Liverpool crowd, yeah. like yeah, lifting his hands. I'm the best. <laughs> it was like yeah, you are. Yeah, his first season, he won the Puskas Award, didn't he, for 
the goal against Everton yeah. in the snow, which actually wasn't even his best goal that season. It's like a 10th best. <laughs> well, let's just indulge in a little bit of like sort of counterfactual history because the club were desperate to sign him in January 2014 and Brendan Rodgers scuppered the deal. The, um, the, there was Ooh, a, that's an interesting... So go on, Tony. How did he scupper the deal? Well, he, he, he went public with it, didn't he? When the, um, and, said, and Chelsea gazumped them. Uh, the, the, there's an email from... Mike Gordon to John Henry, which says, if it wasn't for the Derby coming up, I'd tear Brendan a new asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether to believe that. It doesn't sound like the sort of language that Mike Gordon would use. Would you like me to send it to you? Yeah, he could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, so, you know, I mean, and the, but, but okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about counterfactual history there. Right, the Gerham in 2014, and he's like, a forgotten player in Liverpool history because he wouldn't have thrived at that time. You know, I don't think he was physically strong enough. And Brendan Rodgers didn't want him. So, you know, I mean, he wanted a centre-earth and you can see why and you can see why everything happens. But we did sign him at the right time. Yeah. I mean, he needed to be almost go through that Chelsea struggle. It was a taste of English football for him. That rejection, I think, forges who he is as a player. And we know... There's quite a few players that have been through that with Chelsea in particular. I think he needs Fiorentina, he needs Roma, he needs those two clubs and and that time to make him who he is because that's when he gets sort of, I guess, back on Liverpool's radar. I remember being, I think I was on holiday in Barcelona and Roma were playing like someone or other and I was sitting like, you know, having some food and drinks and it was on the telly and I remember him scoring and I was like, oh yeah, that's where he is now and that's what he's up to. Like if I could fast forward now, like to the future now and be like, oh, he's joined Liverpool, won everything, is like arguably will go down as one of the greatest players in Liverpool history. You would just be like, what the hell? But it's credit to, to him and how he's been able to go from those seasons at Chelsea and not being able to be the star that he wanted to be and, and becoming that later on like that, that is an incredible story. That's true. That People don't really focus on that so much, do they? Like the, the, it's a story of redemption, isn't it really? And that, that's what we, it's very easy to forget that because he instantly became, almost instantly anyway, you know, a goal scorer for Liverpool. There's a tendency, I think, in football, particularly in Premier League football, that if you, if you, if you don't do well, you know, in your first six months or your, your first spell at a club, then you're done. You're just not good enough. You know, you sort of it was a bit of a risk for Liverpool to spend the amount of money that they did on him, having missed out on him before, given that he, you know, he didn't do so well on at Chelsea. And you know, it tends to be that, like, I mean, I maybe it's a bad comparison, but I always think like Diego Forlan. You know, like sort of, oh, he's crappy United, so that makes him a crap player. Well, actually, he ended up, you know, becoming one of the best players of the World Cup, a brilliant player for Atletico Madrid and Villarreal. It just wasn't right for him at that time, for whatever reason. You know, it was too big a jump for him. I think now there's a tendency in football now for, for a lot of people to just discard footballers who might not do so well straight away, you know. So that, that's what I really like about him, because uh, about his story, because it, it's, it's quite rare for that to happen, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, Auntie, I think by the time he arrived, the combination of ability and physicality had come together. I mean, it... Had he arrived in 2014, you fear he might have been a bit like Markovic. Well, no, no, not quite that bad. No, not quite that bad. But whenever we're talking about Michael Edwards, 
great moves. I think we've got to remind people that there was the, another side to it. But as I say, he just arrived at the perfect time. Yeah, exactly. And 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 some and and as um, both of the guys have, have said, players mature and and get to that peak or develop into the type into the player they're going to become at their best at different times. So when you know when Liverpool were trying to buy Salah initially, if he he may have come and he may have failed, but it it just wasn't the right time and it wasn't the right place. And you know it, it does help when you've got one of the best managers in the world to sort of you know shape you and mould you into you know, what he's become. Because I don't think anyone thought Salah was going to be the player that he has become at Liverpool, just from from watching him. He was obviously someone who, who was in among the goals and assists, you know, over in Italy. But, you know, no, I don't think anyone expected him to become this this sharpshooter, if you like. And, you know, it's a testament to, to Klopp, um, but it's also a testament to, to how well the transfer committee worked to find him and get him at the right point. Um, because, as you say, you know, if, if he comes in and... In twenty what thirteen fourteen would he have made a difference to you know to Liverpool winning the title? He may have, but when you watch him, when you watch them at Chelsea, it looked like a player who was still a couple of years off being able to impact games. He did go away, and then and they brought him in, and and that's you know it's a testament to Liverpool to get to bringing him in at the right time as they have done with a number of players over you know Jordan Klopp's. Well, I think it's important to also there to know, Andy, that he did have an influence on Liverpool winning the title or not winning the title that year because he played for Chelsea (laughs) in that game, didn't he? The two nil game, the famous Steven Gerrard slip, and um, and played a pretty disciplined tuck in, you know, making himself into a. an auxiliary defender, really. You know, it's um, he, he never stood out. With the other ten. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, it was, no, let's be honest. It was a brilliant defensive performance. And Salah, well, he was on for an hour, wasn't he? An hour in that yeah. game. And um, Basically an, an inverted fullback, wasn't he, really, in that game? Mad the Klops never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan would have. Brendan would have. He would have had him and Raheem as, like, inverted fullbacks. No, let's not be too Raheem, hard. Raheem did play fullback. He, he did, did play the yeah, that's why I'm saying it. Yeah, he did. He would have had the two of them, wouldn't he? And you know, <laughs> oh. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. Keith, we always talk about Allison and Van Dijk as the two transformational signings, and they really were. I mean, because all of a sudden the team gels as a whole and, and all that. But perhaps we're being a bit too. It, when talking about that, we overlook how important Salah was is, and you know, and when when we actually assess it from a decade's time, well, when you assess it, because I'll probably be in a nurse and Omar in the ground um, <laughs> by that time. Um, but when you assess it in 10 years' time or 15 years' time or 20, Salah will be the standout signing, don't you think? Well, the best way to sort of think into that is how would you feel right now if Salah left Liverpool? And I think it leaves a gaping hole because of the amount of games he's played and what he's done, his reliability, his inevitability. I think... It's almost a worry that even though earlier we were talking about like Jurgen Klopp's team and Liverpool as a collective force of, you know, stars all over the pitch. I think if you lose Mo Salah, like obviously Firmino's left and Mane left and, you know, you always felt like Salah would maybe be the last of the three at the club. But to now picture him leaving Liverpool 
in the next year or so is, I think, a really difficult thing to comprehend because I think it leaves – it's probably going to be one of the most difficult, I think, like departures of, of any player in, in Liverpool's history just because of what he's done. And I think the most of any player in Jurgen Klopp's time at the club because how you can't replace Mo Salah. It's an impossible task. And that's why there's never really been a backup player for him. You've got young players like Ben Doak there. You know, it's it's impossible to almost, how do you build after Salah? So when you do think into that, it is almost like a, a scary look into the future because I think it would feel as when Gerard announced he was going and, you know, even when Coutinho left to an extent, you know, those star magical players of a time when like Torres and the certain players that it just felt, I think everyone has those players going back, maybe Fowler and, and different ones for different people. And I think Salah will be for everyone. It'll be the one that, that really hurts, even if it is when he's 36 or whatever. Yeah, one would say, and while I'm agreeing with Kiva Andy, I think one of the the things that's happened in the past year is I'll go I'll rewind a little bit. When Stephen left, it was like, oh, when he was you know getting past his peak, it was how do we replace him? And the idea was you can't find a single player to do it. You got to replace him by platoon, and I think that's one of the things that Liverpool Andy have been doing with signing strikers. So I don't think there is the you know the, the fall off the cliff oblivion we'd see you know if he if he does leave, uh, but you know it still is a concern. I mean the Saudis were learning last year; they'll come back next summer. Do you think we're anywhere near the time to move Salah on? I could sort of see the the logic behind people in the summer saying about the amount of money, but then then you watch what he's done this season and it's very, very clear that he's not about to fall off a cliff like certain other players maybe at this at this age. And I think he as you say, even though Liverpool have gone about, you know, rebuilding that front three, which has now become a front five effectively, who's still the main man? Who's who's still the person who everyone looks to to be the, you know, the game breaker or and you know, still massively influential, whether that's scoring the goals or being the person who creates them. And it is Salah. So I think that there still would be a that there is a I think there is a concern about the you know the potential drop off. You would like to think it wouldn't be cataclysmic or anything like that. Um, you know, and, and you're not you know sort of going back to square one because you have developed these players, you know, the players around them, Nunes being the biggest example recently in, in terms of how he's how he's turned from that rough diamond into very, very nearly the complete forward, or the complete forward who just misses sitters. <laughs> so you're certainly on on the way there, but um, I, I just think you look at him, and I think Klopp said it recently. He sort of said that you know, he's still got so many years left at the, at the top, and you and you do think that you'd agree with him because of the way he is moulding his game. You know, he may have lost a yard of pace. He's not quite as quick as he was. He's still very quick, but by the way, but he's not quite as quick and. But he's still so influential. You can see the way he's changing his game to to be a creator now and and sort of you know and, and help his teammates not just be the one who puts it all away. But he can still do that. And even and that's the thing. Even when he's he's not playing that well, you know, he still comes against Everton, for example, still comes up with two goals. And 
You know, I think for Liverpool, it, I think it, it, it will probably ultimately come down to what Salah wants to do. But I think you can still see Salah being being at the top of the game for for a number of years to come, and and that's that's something worth considering for Liverpool when when this this subject and this and the next bid, if you like, arises from from Saudi. Tony, can I just flip the conversation? I'd like to see what you think as well on this. So, just some numbers here. So Salah has scored. 198 goals in 322 appearances and his goals per game ratio is 1.63. Now, that is better than Ian Rush, whose goals per game ratio is 1.91. Obviously, Rush has, is the all-time record goal scorer, 346 in 660 games, right? So, he's on course to beat Ian Rush. <laughs> yeah. But, but is it possible? Now, is it is it possible if Liverpool if he did see out the rest of his career and he did have maybe another six years at Liverpool, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, could he beat Rush? And for me, that is something I'd love to see because one of the things that does my head in a little bit about Liverpool is that the history's already written; it'll never be broken. So, like Ian Callahan's appearances records will never be broken unless you know maybe Trent might be the ne- next one to have a go if he plays his whole career at Liverpool. Um, same goes with goal scorers. I mean, imagine if Salah could break that record. It, it, I mean, I'm, I don't think it's possible, but it, it's a nice conversation to have, I think, at least. Well, it'd be brilliant. The, the only thing I'd say is probably the last 100 games of Russia's career, maybe even 150, he was in decline. He was playing deeper and deeper in midfield and he wasn't the scorer he was. Um, I wouldn't like to see that happen to Salah. I wouldn't like to see Salah kind of like... You know, it's um, when you watch him, you go, oh, I, yeah. And, and there was an element. I mean, you know, Rushy, we love you and all that. But there was an element in the, the 90s where I'm looking at going, I used to remember when this fellow would score goals. You know, I wouldn't like to see that into Salah, but would like to see him break the record. I mean, but that would mean I'm scoring, I don't know. What? Another 150 yards. Yeah, do it in the next two years. That'll suit me. <laughs> two and a half years. Yeah, win the league twice more. Yeah, that, no. How, how many seasons I mean? would you need for that? Do you think? That's a great. I, I reckon he'd need. Uh, let me work it out. So he'd need, he'd need 25 goals a season. Five. Six, five or six seasons. And he's 31 now, and he doesn't look too much the different player. If anything, his game has developed in a, probably a, yeah. a better way. Yeah, and I, I would say, as we said at the beginning, his, his game. I mean, people might say a decline. People might interpret a decline for an evolution, mightn't they, as well? I mean, I can't ever see Salah being a player who who sort of drops into a deeper role or anything like that. I just think he he will continue to be a player who will score goals because of his intelligence and his choices of position. But it's whether his availability... I mean, I suppose availability comes into it as well, doesn't it? Yeah. He'd have to be available all the time for that to happen. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say about him, you know... um potentially moving on. The one thing Salah has is, or one of the things he's got, is a great sense of his own status. He knows what he's doing and what he is. And I wonder whether at this stage of his career that he'd take the Saudi money and go, because, I mean, you know, yeah, you're getting the money, but you're playing, I don't know, Sunday League. It's not very good, is it? And I think when he believes he should be at the very top level, he will play at the top level. I agree with you because one thing that I did learn about Salah when I went to Egypt, that's what it was like 2019, it was really clear to me. A lot of people said that 
I mean, I, I suppose his priorities can can change since, but he he was one player who looked towards Europe. Like so, in Egypt, the money is quite good for Egyptian players. You know, the, the, play for Zamalek or Al Ahly, yeah. and you get paid well. And players don't really look to Europe and think, "I want to go there and play." It's not they don't aspire to do that quite as much, or at least he didn't. He didn't when Salah was sort of coming through. Whereas all of his teammates said Salah, all he ever spoke about was playing in Europe, obsessed with it, totally obsessed with it. Looked at Cristiano Ronaldo, looked at his body and thought, that's what I've got to be like to make it. Like some of the players admitted, like said, you know, some of the Egyptian players didn't take the physique quite as serious, well, nowhere near as seriously as Salah did. So this has been an obsession for him to, to get to this point. So, the idea that he'd just want to go and play in Saudi because, you know, it's an Islamic country or, I mean, I've written about that recently. It's not quite as simple as that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Egypt ain't great as a starting point. It's only, I think it only comes to it if, it's a bit like Jordan Henderson. Like people say, why, why did Jordan Henderson leave in the summer? In the past, he backed himself to stay. He must, in the back of his head, known yeah. that he's, he's not capable of doing what he did in the past, when he he got he proved the manager wrong, I mean he's the other side of thirty now, so p- perhaps it's understandable. I think that's the only thing that changes it. If he thinks in the back of his head, I'm not I'm not quite at where I used to be anymore. Yeah. Um, whether he can recognise that, I'm not sure, but he seems to go way out of his way <laughs> to make sure that he's he's in a position to perform to the very highest level. So it'd be it'd be a decision that he wouldn't take lightly. It'd be a very tough decision for him. I think I think he finds it really hard to give up all of that, you know, that I think it, the records do matter to him. Might not matter to the people who represent him so much, but it, it definitely matters to him. He's in he's in the gym in his house every night, isn't he, after yeah. training? Like, he'd, he'd often post stories of, you know, late-night workouts because he is so committed, like Sai says, to moulding and shaping himself and recovery and everything else because he knows that longevity that he's going to need. So I don't think a player like him with that drive, who when we're all you know, watching telly on the couch and he's doing like press ups and whatever else. And I don't think a player like that would want to give up on chasing this, whether it is another Premier League or Champions League. Or whatever. I think he's so driven for that still that it would make little sense for him to give up on that. I'd have much more fear if Real Madrid come in, for example. Hmm. You know, I think that is something he'd think about because obviously, you know, that's the. It's it's the peak of European football, and I'm not entirely sure at this stage. Certainly, if he's still knocking them in, that he'd want to go to the, the Saudi league, despite all the money in the world. Well, you hope, you never know. Do you think he's missed like that time though, in terms of like Real Madrid and other European clubs, even other Premier League rivals? Do you think that time has gone now, where he is just a Liverpool player, and the only sort of perceivable move would be? like to Saudi Arabia or somewhere like that. I think that's a, an interesting... I hope so. <laughs> I, I think maybe it has because Real Madrid have sort of... They always talk about the project, don't they? But, you know, they focus heavily on signing young players. Like, they've got it. They've got it. you know, Rodrigo and Vinicius, two players who on either, you know, either side of the pitch who could probably play for the next 10 years. So it'd be difficult, I think, for Salah to just go into that team. The, the only area of the pitch where they maybe lack at the moment is a centre-forward. You know, after Benzema left it, they're probably looking at somebody to fill that role. But I, I, I suspect they'll be wanting to sign a younger player to make, you know, to, to complete that forward line. Yeah, yeah. Probably off them or someone. 
Yeah, I was only using Real Madrid for illustrative purposes. But it's it's a fair comparison because I think, you know, let's not forget not so long ago when he was there was the contract situation going on and you know, sort of God knows how many months out, you know, the process began of him, you know, doing interviews with, you know, various Spanish media outlets. He was quite clearly trying to let them know, you know, hiya. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. over here, sort of thing. Um, but that that was some time ago now. You know, time's moved on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the one thing we've established is Mohamed Salah is brilliant. He's irreplaceable. He's up there with the greatest players in Liverpool history. I don't think we need to say much more about it. So that's it for this week on Walk On. Your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to Simon and Kiva for turning up early on time. <laughs> And thanks to Andy for making the effort because we know he's busy and, um, you know, we, we joke about it, but his presence was greatly appreciated. And, of course, so is yours, you, the listener. We love you. Only the small matter of Manchester City at the S he had to talk about next week. So you better be back with us next Wednesday because we'll have a lot to say. The Athletic.